I will ask a simple question. Does anybody ever ask, what does Brother Brock do for a living? I think we all know he shares with us. So we see their love, their passion, what they do for a living. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And the, the word of the Lord says as followed. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I exalt you. I magnify you. I give you worship and praise at this hour for who you are. For you are mighty. Lord, I ask that you speak tonight. That you speak to me. That you speak to us. And that we exalt you and magnify you. Because there is no other name, Lord, given unto us that we might be saved. In Jesus' name we pray and we ask, Lord, for your direction. Thank you, Father. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank my pastor, our bishop, at this, for this hour, for this opportunity that I've been given. I do not take it lightly. If I was to lower my microphone and put it close to my knees, you would hear them rattle a little bit. So I will not do such a thing. I will also share one of the things I hear a lot. People say, you're a storyteller, but you pause too much in between your stories. That's all I wanted to say about that. When I was five, six years of age, my grandmother would sit us down. Eight o'clock would come around and, and we knew what that meant. And if we weren't going to church, my grandmother would say, boys, it is time. I have a twin brother. And she would say, boys, it is time. And, and we would hide sometimes. But for some reason or another, she knew how to find us. And she would sit us down and she says, open up your Bibles. And she would start reading stories of the Bible every single night. Now, at the age of five or six, I don't know if it's happened to you or maybe it was just me, eight o'clock at night, when she would say, bow your heads, we're going to pray, there's only one thing that always happened to my brother and I. We would fall asleep. We, we were young and, and we'd fall asleep. And, and at the end of the Bible study, she would say, it's Q&A time. Do you have any questions? And there was always a question in the back of my mind that I always wanted to ask. Why us? Because I could hear my cousins playing in the background. They're running. They're jumping. They're watching TV. But my brother and I were sitting down hearing Bible stories. Little did I know how that would impact my life, how that would change my life moving forward. I didn't understand that. My grandmother was baptized in the name of Jesus. My mother, my father are baptized in the name of Jesus. I am third generation in the church in the name of Jesus. I thank God for that. And I don't know about you, but it comes to a point that you show up to church and you almost wear that badge with honor and pride. And this is my first time here. Somebody might say to me, to you, and we will answer, I'm third generation. Maybe just me. And my father, probably one of the best preachers I've ever heard in my life. My father was a John the Baptist type of preacher. 
And if I may elaborate on that, my father would not hesitate to tell you you're going to hell if you don't change your ways. He would not sugarcoat it. He wouldn't play around with it. If I didn't go to church, let's say I was 13, 14 years of age, I'd be hanging out with my friends, and I opted to not go to church that day, I knew what my father would say to me come when he came home. You're going to hell if you don't change your ways. I, I knew that. I knew that. I, I, me and my wife were going to go to hell if we didn't change our ways, if we didn't come to church, and that was my father. My father would lock himself, son of a preacher, my father would lock himself come Saturday mornings. I knew when he was going to preach on Sunday. Saturday, Saturday mornings, he, he'd go into his bedroom, and he'd lock the door. He, and my mom would, would tell us, my brother and I, and he said, listen, your father is praying. And there wasn't a question if my father was praying or not. We could tell. We could, we, we could hear him. My, my father has never been a silent prayer. And we could hear it. We could, we could feel it. it. It was in the atmosphere that my father was in his prayer room talking to God. And, and when he would come out, maybe because he's my father, I felt that he was walking on air when he'd come out of his prayer room. And I'd look at him. I'd had to look up because I was 12. And I look up and I'm like, oh, my God, what a mighty man. And I fell in love with my father. I fell in love with his passion. And my father would always tell me, a preacher does not show his emotions. A preacher never puts his hands in his pocket when he's preaching. He goes, it's a no-no. You don't do that. You want people to be able to see your hands. So I would do the thing, and, and I remember at the beginning, I, I would get nervous, and like a kid, don't do it. I did it. And my father, didn't I tell you, no, do not put your hands in your pocket? Look at the audience. Do not look down at your Bible when you're speaking. Acknowledge the people that are there. Make eye contact, smile. Hopefully they smile back. And he would teach us pulpit etiquette. He always allowed my brother to sing, and he never allowed me to sing. I don't know why till this day. He says, we'll let your brother sing. I'm like, I don't want to sing. And he goes, no, you can sit down. You, you, we'll let your brother sing. And it was always a thing. And he, allowed, he taught me many things until this day. We still sit down and, and share the word. At the age of 17, just to give you an idea who my father is, at the age of 17, we were living in Incline Village, Nevada, I don't, Lake Tahoe. Um, we're living there, and one day my father went to give a Bible study. My father, you will always find him giving Bible studies. And I opted to stay home that day. And I'm in my living room with my Bible. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. By the way, I'm using the same Bible tonight that I had that day. And suddenly, on my left side, somebody kicks the door open. They kick the door open, and here comes this man. And I'm sitting in the sofa. I 
At the age of 17, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Back then, 17, I was probably at the most 95 pounds. I probably put another 20 pounds after that. Not true, a little bit more. And he comes in, and I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm holding my Bible in front of me. And he comes in, and he puts his hand underneath my Bible, and he throws it out of my hands. At that moment, I realize this isn't good. I'm like, this isn't good. Next thing you know, he starts swinging. He starts punching me. And he says, defend yourself. And at that moment, I could hear my father put the other cheek. And I cringed. I said, I can't hit you. Why? Because my father said, I can't hit you. At that age, that's, that was my logic. My father said, you can't hit somebody back. You have to put the other cheek. It was very difficult, but I, I didn't hit him back. He took off a dirty backpack he was wearing. He had, and he proceeds to take a knife out, and he cut my neck. I, I have a scar on my back till this day, just a friendly reminder of that incident. And he says, I need you to bow before me at this hour, because if you don't, you're going to meet the Lord at this time. Obviously, kind of a giveaway, I'm standing here. And I said, I can't do that. He says, I will spare your life and I will give you whatever you want and ask of me. But if you bow before me at this hour, I said, if it's God's will, I will be with him today. If it isn't, I will not. It made him more angry. He starts throwing things around the house. And he's irate and, and angry and, and Long story short, the neighbors proceed to call the police department. They show up, arrest him. And now they question him and they said, why did you do this? What happened? If anybody's familiar with Incline Village, it's a very quiet community. Not a lot of things happen. The most violence you're going to get at that time, you're going to be walking by and a golf, a golf ball is going to hit you. That was probably about the most violent thing that would happen. And they asked him, why did you do this? What what?" What drove you to do this? His answer, to this day I remember it. He says, his father is a preacher. I went to his church and he pre preached against sin and I was angry. And I came here tonight to kill him. But since his father was not home, I was going to take his son's life. And I thank God for the mercy and I thank God for who he is. And after that, after, after high school, I went to Bible college. You're supposed to do that because that's who your father is. That's what your father would expect of you. And I went to Bible college, and I learned the language inside the church. I learned the language. I learned the songs. You kind of learn to hear a preacher when he's about to finish. He has some, some preachers have a giveaway. Especially if his wife does this, it's a good giveaway that he's about to finish. And you learn to communicate in church, and you, you, you learn how things move. And having said that, the prodigal son in this story, in chapter 15 of the book of Luke, he learned the language because he is born inside the home 
and he learns to communicate with his father. He learns to talk to his father, and he learns the lingo, and he learns the verbiage, and he knows when to stand and when to clap. He knows when to raise his hand. And he is being raised as a son. And one day, he says, it is time for me to go. Time for me to spread my wings. After being blessed, after receiving God's blessing, after receiving everything of God, he says, it's time for me to go. And I love the story because Jesus had shared two parables prior to this one, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And the first one, he speaks to the men. And the second one, he speaks to the women. And in this one, he culminates and he starts and he says, and who can do that? I, I, I wonder if not only Jesus and God himself, and he starts this parable and he says, a man had two sons. I would have loved to be there just to listen to it. And the beautiful thing is that we can listen to it today. It, 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 as we sit there in the background, as we sit there with the people, and he said, listen, a man had two sons, and, and the youngest came to him and he said, Father, if I may, and I'm paraphrasing, if I may, Father, I'm going to ask you for something. And the father looks at him and he says, yes, I'm going to ask you if you can please die at this moment. Because I would appreciate, I want, I need my inheritance. What belongs to me, I need it, Father. And the father divides the properties between both sons. And it's interesting because he doesn't hesitate. The father could have said, no, that will not be. And the father had every right to bring him before the council of the city and let the council know, this is, listen, this is what he just did. This is what he just attempted to do. And within his rights, they would have stoned him. And the father would have thrown the first stone at this story, in this parable. The father, and, and I could imagine the people listening to Jesus and said, what kind of story is this? What kind of son is this? What kind of person is this? And what type of father says, he gives him his portion. And I could imagine him having liquidated everything and, and, and holding his possessions. He said, I'm ready. I'm wealthy. I am educated. And I'm old enough. And he grabs his belongings and he leaves. And I grew up in the church. And one day, I used to give Bible studies. I was a Sunday school teacher. Then I became the superintendent for Sunday school. I used to preach. I used to teach. I used to oversee the cell groups in our church. And one day, I said the same thing. I'm leaving. I'm going to grab what's mine, and I'm leaving. Because I said the same words, maybe. I'm old enough. I'm smart enough. I'm educated enough. It's time to spread my wings. And I left. And I left, and I, I venture out, and I'm thinking, I'm good. Little did I know that I wasn't ready. That I was stepping outside of my father's home. Little did I know what was going to become the depression, the loneliness, the sadness, pain that you feel when you step outside 
And when I would see people from church, and I won't deny this, and I'm ashamed today, I would hide it from them. Hopefully they didn't see me. Hopefully they, they didn't notice. Hopefully they didn't turn my way and, and realize it was me because I started to look different. I don't know if any of you remember my first day here. It was on a Sunday morning. And I was wearing a flannel construction boots, a pair of jeans, and a nice beard. So growing up in our church in, 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 with my father, he always said, to you as a man, we, we need to be clean-shaven. And, and I was always clean-shaven. And almost immediately after I left the church, I grew the beard. I remember the first time my father saw me. He says, what is that? And I couldn't even look at him. And he goes, Jesus loves you. And he still spoke with me. I remember the last time, he, one of the few last times that he had come to Bakerfield, I, I lose everything. I, I had a, a great career in the chemi, chemical industry. I had a great career, 15 years. I probably used to work about 20 hours a week at the most. I, I worked on my computer. A lot of the times I never even took my pajamas off. I, I would be at home working on my computer and I'd probably work two, three hours that day and I'd probably take a nap. It was good, I, I was enjoying life, I was blessed. And I leave the church. Next thing you know, I get a letter from my employee's attorney letting me know that I'm being sued. And I lose my employment, I lose my family, I lose everything. And in a moment of desperation, I end up in Bakersfield, of all places, from Lake Tahoe. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Lake Tahoe. I, I, I believe it's like God's on like, you're in paradise, why, why don't you move to Bakersfield? April uh, 2019 is when I, I moved to Bakersfield, I still remember. And I'm like, people are like, where are you from? I'm like, Lake Tahoe. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I know. I'm still asking the same question. And my father comes and my, my mother, that they come to the house. And, and my father looks at me and, and my beard is nice, clean, nicely trimmed. And he says something to me and he says, the beard looks good on you. And at that moment I said, who are you and what did you do with my father? Because I've always heard my father as John the Baptist. I've always known him to be this way. And he says, it suits you. And, but I want to look at something in verse 14 of chapter 15. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And we, when, interesting, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. And when I read that, I said, dear God, your blessing extends out to your neighbor. Your blessing strengthens out to the neighbor. And suddenly when the blessing left the sun, there was a calamity in the land. There was hunger in the land. In other words, in the book of Job, we see when, when the adversary is speaking with God and he says, listen, you've put a hedge around Job. I can't touch him. Your hedge reaches your neighbor's house, your neighbor behind you, your neighbor in front of you. They are being blessed. 
because you come to church. In other words, if they knew who you were, they would tell you, do me a favor, do not stop going to church. Whatever you do, do not stop going there every Tuesday. Whatever you do, don't stop going on Sundays. Whatever you do, I need you to go because I'm being blessed. The land was being blessed, but when his blessing were gone, the blessings upon the land were gone. And we see a calamity. And there's five key characters in this story. We know it's the father, the two brothers. And here we see in verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country. He, he reaches out to a farmer. This man has now spent everything, all of his blessings, everything that the father had given and bestowed upon him. He loses it all, and he, and he goes, and, and he's in a distant land. Well, Jesus doesn't just tell a story to tell a story. He's going somewhere. And if when we, we acknowledge and see this man in this foreign land, the, the Hebrew word, that the Greek word, I apologize, that is used, he clings onto this man. He holds on tightly. Why? Because he might have seen something, a reflection of what he saw in his father in this man. And maybe he needs a nurturing touch. Maybe, maybe there's something about him. But this man grabs him. Maybe he gets him all twisted up. And this man grabs him and throws him in the pit, literally, with the swine. So when I, I saw that, I said, who is he? This country, man, is not a good man because he grabs this person and says, I'll tell you what. This is where you belong. Oh, dear God. This man throws him in the pit with the swine throws him in the pig's den and says, do me a favor, stay right here. And his dress, he must have started to smell a little bit different, a little bit maybe not so pleasant. And he's living there with the swine, and he's there. And maybe he starts thinking, things are looking up for me because I'm, I have a job. Things are looking up for me because I'm doing a little bit better. Not realizing that he's going deeper. And as the audience that Jesus had is looking at the scenario, everybody writes him off and probably said he's a dead man. He's not worth anything. He's lost. He's never coming back. Because people, society writes him off. Society says, listen, he's in the pit with the pigs. He doesn't look good because if we understand, according to the Hebrews, the Israelite people, this is a filthy animal and he had nothing to do with this. He shouldn't have been there to begin with. And maybe people said he deserves to be there because look what he is. He asked his father to die. The man in his heart wanted to kill his father. In his heart, he desired the worst. And I remember something, and, and it stuck with me for a very long time. Growing up, my children, they, they would fall asleep in the pews and the chairs and, because Brother Marvin had a meeting, and I had meetings, and sometimes I was there late at church, and, and they were there late at church. And my son heard me preach and teach many times, my oldest, Ivan. 
And one day he came to me after I left the church and he says, you know what? It hurts. And I said, what hurts? He goes, I saw you preach. I saw you teach. And because you made a choice, you have taken that away from Caleb, my youngest son. I don't know if you've ever seen him. I think he looks handsome all the time. I'm, a fa I'm his father. What could I say, right? He says, you have deprived Caleb of that. He will never see you preach. He will never see you teach. Even my own son had written me off because that's how low I had fallen. That's how low I had gone. And I had no intention of, of going to church because, well, I didn't need it. I was old enough. I, I knew what I wanted in life, and, and I knew. And one day in, in desperation here in Bakersfield, I, 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 go to, I went to a church that said Pentecostal on it, and, and, and I said, okay, Pentecostal church, let, let's go in. And I go in, and it wasn't Pentecostal. It just had the name Pentecostal. It wasn't Pentecostal. I, I went to the restroom. The restroom was right next to the exit door, and I said, I think this is my cue. And I walked out, never to come back again, because they were not Pentecostal. And I, I went to another one, and, and, and God bless them, and, 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 you know, may God bless them. That's all I would say in that regard. And, and I left, and, and I'm looking, and I can't find anything. And I went to a different church, and they received me, and, and they welcomed me in. And I had a meeting with the pastor, and he says, would you like to teach? And I, I'd love to teach. Please, by all means, and, and come on in. And for a second, I felt like the prodigal son is getting better because now I have something. I have a purpose. The prodigal son, when he's feeding the swine, he felt maybe for an instant, I have a purpose. But there was still a void. There was still something empty inside of him. And he's there, and, and he says, I don't even make enough to feed myself. I'm not making enough. And, and, and I was in the same position. I was in the same place. And he says, what am I doing here? Wanting to eat this pods. I'm wanting to eat something that I should not be eating. And I could imagine... The people that are listening to Jesus, they're, they're looking at the scenario. This is a big flat screen TV that Jesus put in front of them. Probably uh, the, the new BMWs, I don't know if you, any of you have one. It has a big old flat screen TV in, in, in between the front and the back. If you do, let me know. I'll, I'll ride with you. And Jesus is painting a picture, and everybody's probably shaking their head. And, saying, and despising him and saying, look how low he's gone. He's not wearing a suit anymore. What happened to his suit? What happened to his tie? Look at the beard. Do you, do you see it? It's, it's pretty gross. Everybody's, yeah. Oh, but Jesus is probably smiling while these people are passing judgment because they wrote him off. And society will write people off. He's not worth anything. He, he has no value at this point. He's left the church, they say. And, and he's worse than he ever was. And, and, and look at him. Many times I would, write, I would be in my car by myself. And I would put music 
old hymns that I would remember as a child. I remember I would, two, three years of age, back then, I'm dating myself at this point, we didn't have the plush carpet that we have today. The old carpet was just on top of the concrete, and it was really thin carpet we had in the church. And I already knew, though, which pew I was going to sleep under. And, and my grandmother would always roll up her sweatshirt or something she had, and she'd give it to us as pillows, and we'd find that place. And suddenly, I find myself outside of that. Having lived in the glory of God, in the kingdom of God, I find myself, I'm not there anymore. And, and I'm going through the motions at this church, and I, I'm thinking, okay, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not doing so bad. It could be worse, I said to myself. It, it, then I come one night, a Friday night to be exact, God speaks to me in my dream and says, you are not where I want you to be. I need you to get up from where you're at and I need you to come home. I don't know if it's happened to any of you where you're, you're in a deep sleep and it's a very uncomfortable dream and you force yourself to wake up. I forced myself to wake up and I said, God, what is that? What just happened? I'm going to church and I, I start to pray and I said, God, I am going to church. I, I'm, I'm doing okay for myself and God says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You know where you belong. And I went to work that Saturday, and all day it's, it's bothering me. It's eating away at me. And I can't think of anything else other than that dream. And that night I go home after work, and, and I go into to my room, and I pray. And I said, God, you tell me where I need to go. You tell me what I need to do. You lead the way. And this prodigal son, one day, he came to. He woke up. When everybody had written him off, something inside of him clicked. Something inside of him triggered. Something inside of him became alive. And he goes, no, this is not where I belong. I have a father. I have a home. I have something different. Even the servants in my father's house eat better. They have an abundance. They are blessed. And I am dying here. Listen, it's interesting because the, Jesus is not saying somebody went to look for him. Nobody sometimes is coming to look for you other than the Father. And he wakes up and, and he says, I will get up and I will go to my Father and I will say unto him, I have sinned before you and before heaven. I've sinned and I've failed and I've fallen short. And I am not worthy to be called your son. Allow me to be just a servant. Allow me to come into your house. And one day, I, it's Sunday morning, and I said, God, if you want me to go to church, I'll go to church. You tell me where. And, and I prayed, and, and God says, ask Google. So I asked Google that morning, that Sunday morning. I went on Google, and I, for, I typed in for... Uh, Pentecostal church, and first Pentecostal church comes up. I said, God, I'm going to go again to another Pentecostal church. If it isn't, okay. Well, prior to coming to church that day, I had a meeting. I had a, we had renovated a house. I work in construction. We had renovated a house, and if anybody's ever done anything like that, 
you will know that it typically takes about an hour to do a walkthrough with the homeowner. You, you have to go because you change things in the bathroom and, and you did things in the kitchen and you painted the walls and you removed the popcorn from the ceiling. And I knew my appointment was at 9.30 and I said, God, if it's your will, I'll go. But if it's after 10 that I finish, I'm not going. I was still putting God conditions after what had just happened. And I, I show up at the house, it's 9.30, she's not there. I'm thinking, okay, I guess I'm not gonna make it. Like two minutes later, she comes flying around the corner, she gets out of her car, she says, I apologize for being late, I'm a nurse, I work graveyard. I said, it's fine. She goes, Marvin, I'm gonna apologize if I can just get the keys from you, I, I need to go to bed. I'll shoot you a text, I'll let you know if I find anything. I'm like, really, God? I'm like, really, God? So I get in my truck, Chevy, nothing, really, okay. So I get in my truck, and, and I, I pull into the parking lot, and, and Brother Matt, and he's, I, he was wearing his uh, golfing outfit because he's in a golf cart. And, and he, he comes around the corner. I'm, I'm walking out, and, and he says, may I help you? I said, yeah, where, where are you having church? And he points to the Libby Center, and he goes right there. And, and I walk in, and I walk in, and there's, there's an amazing couple standing there, and, and Brother Phil, uh, Sister Christy, they're standing there, and, and I said, I, I need to ask you something. And they go, yeah. Is this a Pentecostal church? They go, yes. I said, okay. Is this a... Acts 2.38 church. And they said, yes again. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're going in. We, and, and, and Brother Phil says, would you like to sit with us? How could I say no? By the way, they've never invited me to sit with him again. <laughs> and and I sit down, I, I remember sitting with them, and, and I'm there, and they start singing. They start singing, and I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. I was frozen. And I just remember bowing my head in, in the chair, and, and, and I just started breaking. And, and I said, what, what is this? And, and I love... What happened, because when the prodigal son is coming home, Scripture says that the father could see him at a distance. He could see him. The son that was a murderer, the son that failed his father. The Lord of glory at this moment realizes that if people see him, they're going to talk about him, and they might even stone him because he deserves to die because of his actions. And his father said, excuse me, and the Lord of heaven says, excuse me, and everyone in heaven says, where are you going? And he says, excuse me, and God starts to remove 
everything and puts on flesh and comes upon earth and said, excuse me. And everybody is like, where are you going? I'm on my way to Calvary. I need to die for him. And he raises up his tunic and he shows his nakedness. And the father of glory one day says, look upon me and do not look upon him. Do not look at him. Look at me. And Jesus, the word of God says in the book of Isaiah, that he bared our sins, he bared our transgressions, and by his stripes we were healed. And he says, look at me as the son is coming home. And the son doesn't even realize it. Understand, we need to understand that sin cannot be before God. And here is a man full of sin, the, the, the prodigal son, full of transgressions. And God said, I can receive you. And why can God receive him? Because Jesus came to Calvary to carry our sins, to die in our place. And interesting, in the book of Numbers, chapter 35, God establishes principles and laws. And he says to Moses, Moses, let's do something. I need a saving place. I need a city. If somebody commits the crime of murder, they will come to this city and abide there and they will be protected. Nothing will happen as long as something stays, they will be safe. And, and I'm reading through the chapter and I said, what needs to happen? As long as the high priest is alive, he is protected inside that city. I said, no. And Jesus died on Calvary and became my high priest, your high priest, and he reigns and lives forever. And he says, I need you to come home. I need you to live inside of this place so I can protect you, so you will be safe. And here comes the son. And the father says to the servants, come here. Put a ring on him. Clothe him, change him, put sandals on him. He doesn't call him out. He doesn't say you smell. He doesn't say you've sinned. He doesn't ask him for the money. I might have, would have. I, I, maybe me, me, I would have said, how much money do you have? The father doesn't. And he comes and he throws himself upon him. And the ring, we, we see it in the story of, of Joseph. Pharaoh gave Joseph a ring that showed that he was second in charge. This was the way that he signed. He had Pharaoh's name on his hand. He had that emblem. And God says, allow me to put my name upon you. Allow me to put my ring upon you where you bear my name. Allow me to change that clothes that is different about you because it's not pleasant before me and allow me to put new garments upon you and allow me to put sandals. Why sandals? Because the only people that did not wear sandals were slaves in that time, were servants. And the children of the house wore sandals. And he says, let me, let me restore you. Let, let me put you back. And, and maybe I wouldn't have. This is me being transparent. Maybe I would have said, listen, I need you to win, earn your place back. 
I, I do need you to be a servant because he says to his father, allow me to serve you. Allow me to be just a servant in your house. And the father does not even entertain the idea. And God does not entertain the idea. And I remember the day that I came in that Sunday and, and I, I just, I couldn't contain myself. And, and Brother Phil says, would you like to go to the altar? How could I say no at that moment? I said, amen. And, and I went up to the altar and God says, let me put a ring on you. Let me put my name upon you right now. Let me put my seal upon you right now. And, and I remember that day like it was yesterday. I started speaking in tongues. And, and I'm just, I just could say thank you. I, I couldn't look up. I don't know if anybody can remember. I, I, I did not feel worthy to look up. And I'm just bowing my head. I'll ask the musicians if they'd care to come back up. I'm looking to close. Dear Jesus, I told you I'd pause too long. It'd take too long. And I couldn't look up because my shame, I was embarrassed. And Brother Phil says, we have the evening service. And I was looking to say no. I was really, really looking to say no. And he says, after that, we, we go to Cafe 43. And I said, count me in. And I come back and, and, and they said, prayer, we have prayer before the service. And I said, prayer sounds good. And I came back to the prayer. And, and I remember I, I, I knelt down at the prayer and I'm, I'm God, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> Look what I've done. My children have written me off. Society has written me off. I've sinned against you. I walked away from your home. After you've blessed me, after you, you've given me so much, I walked away from everything. In the evening service that Sunday, I, I remember the pastor didn't even minister. He didn't preach and because God was ministering. And I was reflecting on this a couple of days ago in, in, in my room. And, and I couldn't contain myself. And I said, God, you celebrated that day I came home. And you let me know that you were celebrating because I could feel it in the atmosphere. I was home. And I've been coming to this place. And, and I'll be, I'll share something with you as I stand by that back door a lot. Ushering, not looking to leave, clarifying. I, I, I stand and, and I say, the day I, I, we, we're in heaven, I feel that this is what it's going to look like. Choir, everybody here, and I, I smile, and I'm seeing everybody, and, and maybe Brother Phil's at the door welcoming people. He took over Peter's job at the gates, and, and Brother Phil is standing there, and, and and you're there, every one of you, and God says, "You look good today." Because he changed us. He transformed us. I remember that day, that Sunday morning. I, I 
soon as I walk out, I call my father and I said, Dad, he says, yes, I'm home. It, uh, the media, I'll ask him to put the subtitles down below. I'll say it in Spanish because my father speaks Spanish. Papa, llegué a casa. Father, I am home. <laughs> and we started to cry. And he says, what happened? What happened? What do you mean you're home? I, I, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm home. I will share with you when I was going to the other church, my father never came to visit me at that church. Even though I was teaching, but, but he's been here multiple times now because he's Pentecostal. He's apostolic. He preaches the name of Jesus. He believes in the name of Jesus. And, and I tell my mother and, and I tell my father and, and I remember that Tuesday, Tuesday comes around and I'm looking in the mirror and, and I take the beard off. Wednesday morning, my brother looks at me. I wore the beard seven years. As soon as I walked out of church, I, that was that was my act of rebellion. Like, look at me now. I can grow a beard. And Wednesday morning comes around. My brother looks at me and you're apostolic again, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. He goes, you're going to church again. I didn't have to tell him. I didn't have to preach to him. And he says, you're going to church. I said, yes, but it's different. Because I am not that legalist that I was back then. My, my, ne my niece, she says, are you going to church? I said, yes. My niece works for us. And, and she goes, I said, yes. Why are you different this time? Before you were just like my grandfather, you'd be sending me to hell right now because I said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, I said, God came and got me out of the pit and I'm not the same person. Would, will you invite me into church? I said, I will pick you up and take you to church. She's looking to come this Sunday to church with me. <laughs> and now I come to church and, and I look for certain people. Truth be said, I'm a little bit of an introvert. I, some of you might have noticed by now. I, I kind of keep to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit shy. I'll tell you what. Talk to me about two things. Talk to me about chemistry. You have my attention. Talk to me about scripture. We'll stay up all night. And you're going to call my supervisors in the morning. Because I haven't slept. But I love sharing now with people the word. Because before, when I learned, I did not catch what my father was saying to me when he would say to me when you preach you never show emotion when you preach you don't cry but I never learned or understood that I needed to cry before the Lord 
I became a legalist in Scripture. And I became a death and gloom kind of preacher, unfortunately. And, and oh, the wages of sin is death. But I would never tell you the rest that I am here because of his mercy, because of his love. I am here today because of who he is, because he shed himself of his glory and he showed his nakedness and he says, I'm going to bring you back home because you're not where you belong. And I wasn't where I belonged. I was not there. Seven years, seven years Sister Christy looked at me and she goes, I know you. And I'm like, no, you don't. I, I said, I have one of those faces. I get that a lot. She goes, no, I, I, I do know you. I'm like, no, no, you don't. If I do something bad to her. That was, unfortunately, I, I was coming from the world. I said, did I do something? And I don't remember them. She goes, this is what you do for a living. I said, okay, she does know me. And I love coming here and seeing you and realizing that without knowing me, you received me into your home. You received me. And, and Brother Chris, amazing man, somebody I admire and I tell people about him. I'm like, you got to meet him. They're like, why? I'm like, he's different. I'm like, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, Come to church, I'll, I'll introduce you. You'll, you'll see what I mean. And everybody here is so special, so different. And I fell in love with you the first day I saw every, every Asian one of you. In the pastor, I, I thank God for his leadership. I thank God for his vision. I thank God for each and every one of you. I thank God that I'm home. Seven years, it's a hard time. It's a prison that you put yourself in. And the father could have avoided that, but the father allowed it to happen. When the people of Israel, when Moses goes up to the mountain and, and God is giving them the commandments and the people of Israel are like, he's not coming back. And some of them are like, yeah, maybe he is, maybe he's not. And, and they're building, they're forming a calf. God is seeing this happen. God could have stopped it. God could have sent Moses back down the mountain and said, Moses, I need you to go down because it's getting ugly down there. But God allowed him to stay because God needed to reveal what was inside of them. And while I was in the pit, God had to reveal what was inside of me. God had to say, look, look inside of you. Look who you are. Could he have stopped me? 100%. But I needed to see who I really was and who he is. I did not know how benevolent he was till I was on the receiving end because I was at home the whole time. I was inside the home the whole time. I didn't know what people would meant. He died for the sinners. He died for the lost. He died for them. And I never was able to identify with those people because I'm like and, and I remember one day and I said I thank God that God saved us all sinners and my fathers are like what are you talking about you've grown up in church your whole life 
I was like 12 years old, and I'm saying I didn't know. And now I could say God did die for me. God shed his blood for me. Can you imagine being in heaven and watching God remove his glory and show his nakedness? And everybody's, what are you doing? I love him. But, but why? Because he's mine. He's my son. And, and he said, move. And the angels have to obey him. They stood still watching him come from heaven on earth. And here I am. And I thank God because even though people had written me off, people told me how horrible person I was, he didn't write me off. And I identify with this story because when I was with the swine, when I was with the pigs, he pulled me back home and said, come home. When I was hungry and I realized I needed something, I was looking for it. And he came and, and that day over at the Libby Center, he fell upon my neck and he hugged me. And he says, welcome home, let's celebrate. And I stand back there and I celebrate. And I, I said, God, I'm going to pray because I want to celebrate with everybody that's going to come home. I'm going to celebrate with everybody that says I was gone for way too long. I was out of the house of God for way too long. And I said, oh, now I'm going to celebrate. Now I have something. When I see people run, I get excited. And I want to run, but I'm an usher. And sometimes I want to jump, but I'm like, I'm an usher. And God says, jump. Jump, because I've given you life. When you were dead and you, and you were left and you were nothing and you smelled, I gave you everything and I've brought you home. And I say, thank you. And I say to you, the church, thank you. Because you are the body of Christ are the body of Christ and I want to say thank you and I want to let my children know that this is where we belong this is where we belong we have no need to go out there but if we do go out there we need to be a blessing to the world out there that we walk out of this place and we bless people and when they say, what is different about you? That, so I'm going to close with this. I apologize. I, I talk about the Bible and I can't stop. Philip comes to Andrew and says, listen, I got these people that they, they want to know about Jesus. And back then when I was growing up, oh, you want to know about Jesus? We're going to give you 52 Bible studies for a whole year. And, and I was Philip. Yeah, yeah, okay, great sit here and sometimes they didn't make it the whole year I don't know why and, and Andrew said they want to know Jesus they want to know about him great come with me that's Jesus right there and that's it and, to, and, and when I've seen the pastor do that I'm like what is he doing why isn't he giving them 52 Bible studies pastor 
And I wanted to call him out, and I said, what is he doing? Little did I know that my pastor was Andrew, just saying, here, come, come here, come here. This is Jesus. And people fall in love with him. They don't have to fall in love with me as long as they fall in love with Jesus. As long as they come to know him and who he is and what he did on Calvary and what he has paid the price and he says, come on home. That's it. And I love that about this church and I love every single one of you. And when we make it to heaven, I'm going to say, see, I told you it was going to look like this. I told you. I told you it was going to look like this. We've made it home. God bless you.